This is the Cycling Over 60 podcast, episode 8, A Cycling Metamorphosis, and I'm your host, Tom Butler. Hello, I am still here, still here on this journey to do the STP this summer. I need to give an update from last week. The knee issue that came up on my 100-mile ride is still my main issue of concern. However, it isn't as bad as it could be for sure. I had a physical therapy appointment to get some professional input on my knee. My PT is Dr. Chad McCain at Three Dimensional PT in Tacoma. If you are in the area and need someone, I would definitely try to get an appointment there. He did a lot of manipulation of my knee and testing it to try and figure out what the problem might be. Fortunately, there wasn't any indication that I had muscle or other soft tissue damage that would prevent me from training. One strange thing was just how quickly I recovered after having been in a lot of pain. So we are assuming at this point that it is bursitis. That isn't very serious, but unfortunately, I don't have any way of knowing for sure how to keep from aggravating the bursa again. I'm going to have to go on another long ride and see if it flares up on me. That seems like the only option to see if I can ride and for it not to be a problem. The treatment plan is for me to get more limber. The hope is that I am too tight and it is causing too much friction, too much pressure on the bursa. I know for sure that I am not flexible enough but I've never done stretching exercises. I might post a picture of me trying to stretch, but if I do, you cannot laugh at me. As an illustration, Dr. McCann told me that he wanted me to get to the point where I can do a hamstring stretch and have my leg at 70 degrees. It's currently at a measly 20 degrees. So with 64 days to go until the ride, I need to stay very consistent with stretching. I still feel very weak and believe that I'm going to have to spend the next two months finding ways to build muscle strength in my legs. I might start hitting the gym, but if I do, I'm going to need to find someone to help me do leg exercises in a safe manner. I feel like I'm running out of time to figure anything new out, so I hope these plans will be enough to get me in the shape I need to do it. Last week, I was feeling 50-50 about my chances because of my knee issue. This week, I guess I have improved to like 70% confident I will make it all 206 miles. I feel like I need a motivational boost right now. I need to stay focused on specific leg strength development, and I need to be consistently working on flexibility. When I interviewed Adam Leopold, He mentioned Mike Baltiera and Mike's cycling journey. After learning how inspiring his story is, I invited Mike on the podcast. Here is our conversation. I knew I wanted to have Mike Baltiera on the podcast when I first heard his story. And thankfully, you are here, Mike. So thanks so so much for joining us and speaking with me. Absolutely. I'm really glad that Adam over at the Trek store decided to uh, name drop me and let, let you know a little bit about me before you and I started conversing over Instagram. Yeah. And that led to me going to your YouTube channel Mm -hmm. and watching a video that you did. And it's difficult to make major lifestyle changes. I mean, everybody knows that. And so I see this as an opportunity to hear from someone who did just that. Can you uh, tell people your YouTube channel and I know you're on Instagram or whatever 
other places people can can follow you if you if they want to kind of see for themselves the the video and what you're, what you're doing if people just want to see just biking stuff in general or stuff that i like to do on my free time both my instagram and my youtube channel are mikebaltiera.com which is m-i-k-e b is in boy a-l-t is in tom i-e-r-r-a i watched the video and i had a bunch of questions from there so i i just kind of want to get a little bit deeper on some of the things that you it's a pretty short video and some of the things that you mentioned in there and so the first question is you had mentioned that your doctor was giving you some warnings about your health and that you and you didn't really take him very seriously and i'm wondering if you could discuss kind of what beliefs or what thoughts you were having that led you to kind of that can contributed to that attitude at the at the time well she had been seeing me for quite some time and Kind of, you know, she had always been warning me like, Hey, you got to watch your weight. You're, you're pre-diabetic. And at the time I was training jujitsu anywhere from five to six days a week. So that's why I wasn't taking it very seriously. I'll just work out off. I'll just, you know, I just go to the mats and, you know, grapple for however long. And then unfortunately, uh, when my son, Zach started, you know, having to go through his chemo treatments, my training tapered off. It didn't, I didn't completely stop going. I wasn't going five or six days a week. I was probably going three to four days a week as opposed to, you know, and, you know, and I went to competition class because I used to, I did compete and competition class was always the worst of the bunch because there was a lot more cardio involved with that. And which is the reason why I didn't really take what she was telling me very seriously until you know, when the pandemic shut everything down and I also had some back injuries, I, I got promoted to black belt in 2016. And so I took a year off because I had a whole bunch of lingering injuries from rugby, football, wrestling, whatever. At that time, I started getting a little heavier and a little bit thicker. <laughs> when I finally made it back to jujitsu, uh, which was about I don't know 18 months after I got promoted. So we're looking at 2017, 2018 now. Unfortunately, my son relapsed as his cancer came back for the second time. And so took more time off to take care of him. I was working at a place that always had the great snacks and the great drinks and provided us lunch every once in a while. So, you know, how corporate lunches are. <laughs> and so when the pandemic showed up, I was 370 pounds. And now I hadn't been training because jujitsu had been completely taken off, you know, any type of scheduling because of all the lockdowns. So it seems like for you having the academy shut down in person stuff that that was like a component that kept you going. Yeah, when when it comes to training, you have 30 40 sometimes lately there's been a lot of people training with us. We got a lot of new people signing up. And so at the time there you know you go to class there's anywhere between 20 and 40 people there and the camaraderie and brother sisterhood, you know, we we're, we all consider each other family. When that's all taken away, and you don't have that interpersonal relation, you know, interactions with other people, or you don't see your friends, or some of them actually dropped out and they moved back to wherever they came from because a lot of them relocated here to to work, and so they all moved back home. And there's, it, it's a drag to be on a Zoom call with your instructor while you're in the garage trying to do, you know, uh, technique. That was kind of like the I wouldn't say limiting factor. It just just about anybody who did the zoom training or whatever they're they're just like it's it's not for me and that's 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 how i was too it just wasn't for me and i think that that's you know again an important thing that there can be these things that interrupt your routine mm -hmm. it can definitely shut things down and then it's hard to like shift and get 
something else going. So it's there's obviously a multi-dimension to your interesting interest in jujitsu. And mm-hmm. that aspect of shifting it to online took some of those dimensions away and then it loses its edge in, in a way. Absolutely. And everybody has their own way of dealing with stress or decompressing from the day. For me uh, and everybody I train with, we all say the same thing. Jiu-Jitsu is very therapeutic. You can have the worst day going on. You go into the gym, work out with your teammates for a couple hours, and you feel like a totally different person. It's like everything just kind of melts away. And when you don't have that safety valve, it's really hard to find another hobby that'll actually be beneficial to you. I decided I can't be cooped up inside. And that's when Ever, we were all told we can go outside, whether it's hiking, biking, you know, just stay away from people. I decided because I, I lost my job and right when the pandemic shut everything down. I decided, well, I think now's the time to buy a bike. <laughs> and that's when I decided to start researching bikes. Yeah. The same time you go back in. So the pandemic has hit, things have shut down, and you go back in and have another appointment with your doctor. Yes. And this time, you took it differently. Can you talk yes. about like the re- the impact of hearing from your doctor at that appointment? She didn't sugarcoat it. She's just like, I'm tired of messing around. I and she was she was pretty brutal. She's like, listen, listen, fatty. You know, I hate to use that word, but she's like, listen, fatty. From when I first met you, you were you were about 300, 310 pounds. Now you're 370. You're a full blown type two diabetic. Your A one C is eight point five. It should be down in the fives. And um, liver counts are through the roof. Triglyceride numbers are just all over the place. I My dad used to practice medicine and I talked to him quite often about, okay, if, if I don't do anything about this, what should I expect? And he just reaffirmed or reassur- he just basically told me the same thing she told me. You're, you'll you'll have problems with your eyesight. You're going to, you could potentially have renal failure. You'll have neuropathy due to you know blood sugar causing nerve damage. I mean, there's just you'll just be miserable. You're going to live a, lo- a slow, painful death. And that's not something that sounded very appealing to me. So I decided like, you know, I better take care of this sooner than later. <laughs> and, and I didn't, and one thing I knew for sure though, I didn't want to be on medication forever either. But you had mentioned, you know, your son's battle, which mm-hmm. is obviously a really emotional, emotionally heavy thing to go through as a family. And also your health status and your job loss, you know, not to mention the whole thing with the pandemic at that time. I'm wondering if, if you can remember feeling the weight of all these things and did they ever impact your desire to take care of yourself? Well, with the whole situation with my son's cancer journey, since I had to stay in the hospital with them, you know, I'm sure you're aware hospital food's not the healthiest. And once you get tired of going to the cafeteria, you start getting takeout or having stuff delivered to the hospital and not having to deal with that was definitely a benefit because one, I'm saving money and two, I'm not shoving a bunch of garbage down my throat. (laughs) Now I'm back home having home cooked meals. With the lockdowns, I, we were working remotely for a couple of months prior to me getting let go. So getting adjusted to working from home was, was a benefit. That means I didn't have a whole bunch of junk food at the office that was at my disposal. I'm not going to lie. I'm a, I've got a sweet tooth. I love chocolate. And so not having all that at, within my reach at work, or, you know, we had the the soda fountains, you know, like the kind of, you see like at uh, five guys, it's got like the, all the Coke products with like a hundred different flavors in it. We didn't have, I didn't have that at the house. So that's in the office. I didn't have that near me anymore. So that was a benefit. And then just the, 
you know, my son was in remission in 2019. So 2020, when we were kind of at the tail end of all the stuff that he was going through, when I got let go, it was, you know, it was like, okay, I got all this free time now. We can go outside. And like I mentioned earlier, I was like, okay, I got to think about buying a bike. I had been thinking about buying a bike for a while. Now I was like, okay, got to go do it. Cause now I got all this free time on my hands and I got to do something about this weight that my doctor's giving me a hard time about. So, so is that before when you're thinking about buying a bike and you never, you never did anything about it? Was that because you just didn't feel like you had the time or was it other things? Uh, it was just being lazy. I'm not going to lie to you. It was just. I was just like, I'll take care of it some other time. I'll do it later. And then later became a couple of months, a couple of months became a year and then a year became five years. And next thing you know, like, oh, wow, it's been 25 years. I think I better go buy a bike. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> I figured like, you know, I need to find something to slow impact. I'm not, I, I was in the Marine Corps. I, I, I cashed in all my running chits. I'm not going to start running again. I could have played rugby, but again, social distancing. And plus I got hurt pretty bad playing rugby in about 2000, 2001. And so I'm like, okay, what can I do that's going to, you know, give me the freedom to get outside, to not have to worry about, you know, hurting myself more by high impact workouts. And I'm like, well, you know, I've been thinking about buying a bike, maybe it's time to go and get one. And so I went ahead and started researching bikes and found out the hard way because there was the bike shortage going on and the everything else, the, the sole supply chain issues with, you know, everybody buying a bike, but there wasn't enough inventory and prices starting to skyrocket. And when you would go into a bike shop, I'm guessing that they looked very different than what they typically look like, where you wouldn't see very many bikes in right. in the shop. Well, my research actually started online because I'm like, okay, what what brand of bike out there can hold someone that weighs more than 300 pounds? Okay. <laughs> so then I so I found uh, it was called a Dolomite, which was a, was a fat tire bike, and it was supposed to it was rated for up to 500 pounds. Okay. And so started looking for one of those and every, I guess everybody weighed over 300 pounds at the time because they were all sold out everywhere. So, <laughs> so finally I'm like, you know what, once you start looking at the components and you start looking at the reviews you start to realize a $500 bike or a sub $500 bike really isn't worth pursuing. And so I'm like, okay, well, I got to raise my budget to at least 1500. Yeah. And so that's when I made an appointment with the Trek store in Issaquah, Washington, because they were the only ones that had availability at the time and they had a little bit of inventory because they're you know Issaquah is kind of off the beaten path you know a lot of the mom and pop shops they were just out because you know vendors were supplying all the big retailers because they knew that they can just turn bikes around really fast yeah. and so i went into the trek store and met with this and the, the salesman was name is michael as well and uh and he's like well what kind of writing you want to do I'm like i have no idea man i just got to lose some weight he said oh let's go with the mountain bike it's the best high in, high intensity interval workout you're up I'm like, okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. Tell me more about that. Okay. You hadn't been looking towards mountain biking, right? Not necessarily. I just was looking for a bike. Period. Yeah. Okay. And, 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 and so I told the dude, I'm like, listen, I don't, I know there's not a whole lot of road traffic, but if, you know, eventually when things get back to normal, I don't want to be riding on the middle of the street, get by a car. And, okay. And then he's like, well, mountain biking. He's like, we got a lot of mountain bike trails around here. You could just get lost in the forest and have a grand old time. Oh, that sounds like a good idea. Okay. So, Maybe that aspect of being in the wilderness, was that something that sounded attractive about it? Yes, because I enjoyed hiking. Um, the area I grew up in California was pretty rural. And so we had, uh, I wouldn't say a lot of forests where I worked and lived at, but we did have a lot of national parks and a lot of national monuments that were open to everybody. And one place in particular that I, I enjoyed going to quite a bit was called the Pinnacles. Basically, it's just an old eroded volcano formation and they've got tens. 50 
100 miles worth of trails and i i, I don't remember what the distance like all the distance where you can get lost up there for a day when i wouldn't necessarily say lost you can just go out there venture out and spend the whole day out there and not cover the same path twice and I used to get, I used to go up there quite a bit early twenties to get ready for boot camp and made a world of difference because we hiked everywhere in the Marines. Okay. <laughs> and so, yeah, just being, I, I'm not saying I'm a, you know, I'm not introverted. I'm very extroverted. I, I do enjoy meeting new people, but when it comes to big crowds of people, when it comes to physical activities and working out, jujitsu is probably the most, I'm going to probably the only one activity besides rugby or football or wrestling that I would be in a group of people with. And when it comes to biking, you know, I'd rather be in a smaller group or by myself. Because I noticed, I think maybe you may notice too, like, you, know, you get groups of people going on, you have to worry about people not doing the correct arm and hand signals or people getting in your way or not yelling on your left when they pass you, or they just like to gaggle on the trail and talk. And then you're trying to get around them. So when I started riding, I was going by myself because it was embarrassing for me to go out riding and just start gassing out after a half a mile or being some you know, big old bear on a freaking little circus bike, right? <laughs> just what was your first bike? I bought a 2020 Trek Roscoe eight and that's a hardtail mountain bike. Okay. When you say hardtail, it just has a front suspension. It's got uh doesn't have, doesn't have the, the rear suspension. It, it's um it's a couple, it was a couple thousand dollars when I first bought it. I call it my Franken bike now because <laughs> the only parts that are still OEM on it are the frame and the fork. Everything else has been replaced. Gotcha. So. You did have this conversation about weight with the dealer. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. that. So talk about that dynamic. <laughs> he looked at me, he was like, hey, you're a big dude, man. How much, <laughs> do you, how much do you weigh? I'm like, 300 pounds. And he's like, good, because if you break the frame, it's on you. <laughs> and at the time I was like 370. So I knew I was getting, I was going to get myself in trouble if I, if I didn't, if I, yeah. Anyway, luckily not, that it, nothing ever happened like that. So that's, that's a good thing. So did you, did it cause you to hesitate a bit or no? Okay. No, no, I, it was something I, I told my, I was committed to it. And I told myself, if you're going to do it, just dive in feet first just get it done so so you were willing to deal with any consequences of correct now did you have any luckily no yeah Um, other than normal wear and tear no 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 serious mechanical failures because of my size or my weight fortunately i i didn't have to make any drastic changes to my diet i like i was telling you earlier i cut down all the the sweets i was consuming okay especially the late night munchies stopped eating after 10 o'clock and luckily the the weight came off pretty fast i think the first six months i lost but the first three months i lost about 40 50 pounds okay and then after nine months i was probably down about 60 because i kind of hit a plateau for a little bit but after nine months my doctor was like yeah you're no longer diabetic and you'd go about doing whatever you want and and by that time i was well under the the max threshold for that bike the only issues i've had um i did have a i did buy a full suspension bike from trek i was having problems with the spokes popping but i think I don't think that was attributed to weight. I think it had something to do with, with the tensioning of the wheel. They, I don't think it was trued out properly, but no, I haven't had any issues with any of the bikes other than just normal wear and tear that I own. You, in the video, describe your first ride as pretty discouraging. I wonder if you could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> okay, so I, I, where I live at, you have to basically climb up a little hill to get out of my neighborhood. So my son and I, he hadn't ridden in a while either. And he had a, he had a bike that, that was given to him from a friend. So he can, cause he was working at a, at a Jersey Mike sandwich shop, which is probably about a mile or two away from our house. And, 
and to give him a little bit of sense of freedom, you know, he had a bicycle, so it wasn't the greatest. It was one you can get off the rack at Walmart. You know, it was good enough. So I had my my Roscoe eight. He, my son Zach, had whatever bike he had, and we literally rode like a mile so I can get the feel of what it's like to ride a bike again. We get we get back home, and I'm just like, dude, this this is this is terrible. <laughs> I don't see how anybody could find this fun. <laughs> and, then, and then later on, I had to tell myself, like, you know, it's not a matter of it not being fun. I was just seriously out of shape. And you don't realize how out of shape you are until it's you versus yourself. Yeah. And you'd have to rely on yourself to get back home when you're doing, a, <laughs> doing an exercise like running or biking or hiking. <laughs> right. It was pretty demoralizing, but then it was also, that was also another rude wake up call. Like, okay, dude, you gotta, you gotta get in gear, man. (laughs) Now you brought into that experience, like a lot of different things in life where you've challenged yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, I know in the Marine Corps, you know, there were plenty of opportunities for you to learn about your limits physically and mentally and all of that. So I'm, Mm-hmm. thinking that some of that came into play as you're deciding to get back on the second ride or on longer rides or yeah and basically what it boiled down to is we always had the, like this motto of you only go as fast as your slowest guy with one foot in front of the other the body's going to quit before the mind does so basically i just had to tell myself just suck it up get it done set yourself attainable goals and then as you progress add to it whether it be okay today i'm going to ride a couple miles or tomorrow next week i'm going to ride five instead of just doing flats start doing a little bit of climbing it just progressed from there so i live right down the street or i live maybe 15 minutes away from black diamond open space out in maple valley nice and so that would be the, where I would go to go ride. I would just get lost in there for, for hours because they have so many different trails. And it was it was new to me. I've driven by it plenty of times. I just never been there before. Yeah. With the exception just to walk around a little bit. But I never realized there was actually mountain bike trails out there till I like got on trail forks. I'm like, oh wow, there's there's like 30 miles worth of trails over there. Nice. <laughs> well I am impressed with your perseverance. You show some video of crashes and there's one of them where it seems like you're you're lit from behind and so you can see your shadow and it just seems like your shadow flies through the air and yeah. lands so <laughs> it looked like you went over the bars mm-hmm. and, okay mm-hmm. so did you ever have any downtime because of injury no not not, not because of mountain biking there's a, i had some downtime because of another bike injury that was totally different but uh no the what that that, that <laughs> so I, I, um, that one wipeout you're talking about, I was actually coming down a trail called salvation over, over on, um, it's in black diamond or it's on summit Ridge, which is the real life church owns that property on that part of the black diamond open space. And I was coming down the hill and the, the, the sun had whitewashed the sand or the dirt. And I didn't see a gap jump. And so I just locked it up and whew, it just launched <laughs> over the handlebars and I just dust myself off, got my mic, just kept going. But um, there was one incident um, at the beginning of the video. I don't know if you actually saw the the video I posted prior to the weight loss video talking about how I wrecked my truck uh, gravel bike in Seattle. I didn't see that. My buddy Kit and I, we were doing, we we're trying to do a Fondo ride, which is a 65 mile ride. And we, we started in Redmond at uh, Marymore Park and we were riding the Burke Gilman Trail in this in the Seattle. 
and we were going underneath the Ballard Bridge. And this particular part of the trail is just notorious for people wrecking because it's just, you know, garbage asphalt with the rails from the old train tracks still stuck in the asphalt. And so they've redid the street to where instead of having traffic on either side of the pylons that hold the bridge up, they've shifted traffic onto one side and kept the other side as a multi-use trail. And they're still, or I don't know about now, but at the time, which was about a year ago, they were doing some construction to fix all that up. So we're coming through and instead of having the trail kind of like me, you know, just, you know, wandering through the neighborhood, it's like these sharp 90 degree turns out of nowhere, this dog comes at me and I try to overcorrect it. And I almost went into my riding partner, which would have done a two things or three things. Actually, I would either hit him and knocked him off his bike, pushed him into the concrete pile on the hole up the bridge or pushed him into oncoming traffic. So I turned back the other way and my front tire hit the rails and the bike slid out from underneath oh, me. Oh man! I ended up cracking the down tube on that bike because it was carbon fiber. And then I have cracking my face on the asphalt. I got a big old gash on my chin. I, those glasses I was wearing sliced my nose open. Oh! And uh, the guy who had the dog, the dog was off leash. He just grabbed his dog and just hightailed it out there because he he knew he was gonna if he stuck around, there was gonna be some trouble. <laughs> okay. Luckily, we weren't too far from Greg's bikes where I bought that particular bike. So we pedaled over there and we walk into, we go into the shop and I'm like, they're like, I'm like, dude, you got to look at my bike and make sure my frame isn't cracked. And they looked at me like, dude, you got to look at your face. You're just, you're just all crimson masked. I'm like, don't worry about me. Worry about my bike. And so, <laughs> unfortunately, the the down tube, it cracked. So I had to, had to get it repaired. Wow. So, and that was, that was like three weeks from STP, which was. Wow ruddy timing so wow wow at some point you become a genuine fan of cycling i think that's fair to say did that happen almost immediately did it take a bit for you to warm to it how does that transition or how does that progression happen to where you you're just loving the bike it didn't come right away it's it like i said because of being out of shape and because of my weight and the fact that I wasn't very active leading up to, I'm guessing me about a six month window before I bought my first bike. Yeah. It probably took me a good six to eight weeks to finally get into a groove where I was like, okay, I'm, I'm really getting into what this is doing for me. Cause I'm, I was sleeping better. I was feeling better. I was slowly losing weight. I could walk up the stairs without losing my breath. I can reach down, tie my shoes out, losing my breath because the big old beer belly wasn't there anymore. <laughs> right. It's like anything. Once you learn how to tackle a few things, like for me, the big challenge at the time was riding over roots and going through rock gardens. Once I learned how to negotiate those, then riding became more enjoyable. I took a few mountain biking classes, like some fundamental classes. And that's where jujitsu actually really came into play too, because you move your hips a lot when you ride your bike, you move your feet. And so that really helped out with bike you know, the bike body, you know, mechanics and the positioning and all that good stuff. And then when my buddy Kit, he he's a road rider primarily. He also had a mountain bike. So he would he actually messaged me on Facebook. He's like, hey dude, I see you posting all the time on Facebook. Can I join you? I'm like, yeah, dude, the more the merrier. And so we were out riding and and I actually ended up buying a hybrid bike because my son Zach bought a hybrid bike as well. And I realized once we went on the foothills trail near Puyallup that Riding a, a mountain bike on on an asphalt trail like that's not fun. So I bought a hybrid, 
And then Kid actually talked me into buying a gravel bike. So that way we can, you know, inter, you know, swap out the tires and the wheel sets between road tires and gravel tires. And so uh so at this time I'm I've got you know the the Roscoe, I've got the Verve, which is a Trek bike, and then I have uh the Trek checkpoint. Then I'm buying the Trek Fuel EX8, which was a full suspension mountain bike. So now at this time I got four bikes. When I got the checkpoint, I actually ended up selling the Verve to one of my coworkers. And I'm not going to lie, I kind of missed that bike because I wish I had an inexpensive, because the, the Verve is only, what, at the time was $600. I think it's like 700 bucks now, maybe 800 bucks. But having a, a not very expensive bike to be able to just run errands on, yeah. instead of having to take my $4,000 Dumani. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh, I kind of missed that bike. <laughs> You at four months had a doctor's appointment, you mentioned, mm-hmm. and, uh, it sounds like that you really, before you went in for that appointment, you really knew that there had been a lot of changes going on with you that you just felt different. Yes. So I, I told my doctor, I don't plan on being on meds a year from now. So I'm like, I'll, I'll be off my meds in a year. She's like, no one ever does that. And I'm like, well, I'm not everyone. So she's like, okay, I'll just take, I'll just take that with a grain of salt. We'll see if you really, because you said you were going to lose weight before and you haven't done it yet. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It was probably about, I'm guessing about the 12 week mark, maybe, you know, about three and a half months that I started to notice that my clothes were fitting bigger. I was sleeping a lot better. I wasn't as hungry anymore because I'll take that back. I wasn't hungry for the crappy foods. I wasn't jonesing for like sugars and stuff. I was really getting into the better carbohydrates and the fats to help fuel the rides because even if we it doesn't sound like a lot of miles but 10 to 15 even 20 miles on a mountain bike clean climbing up and down hills and bombing down hills that takes a lot of effort and you need a lot of caloric energy to do all that and so even climb there's there's one <laughs> master link which is the main trail that goes from the parking lot at tiger mountain to the summit <laughs> that is that is a bear and so <laughs> it takes a few hours or at least takes me a few hours right to be able to fuel properly to to get the proper nutrition i found that i was consuming more healthier foods and a lot of healthier calories to sustain my day and then taking the right snacks with me as well that's that you know so you start having to learn about okay, if I'm going to be out for X amount of hours, how much water should I take with me? How, what type of electrolyte should I take with me? Should I take, you know, you know, cliff bars or take goo? Do I take this? Do I take that? And so and that's another thing too, about talking with like, you know, people who work at the bike shops or even the mom and pop shops, like, Hey, what do you, what do you do when you go on these long rides? What, you know, do you have a pit stop? Do you have a landmark you like to go to like a restaurant or, or a fast food joint? And, once you start learning what other people like to do, then you start incorporating it into your habits as well. And it just makes writing more enjoyable, makes time management easier, and it makes planning out what you're going to do for the day so much better. And I don't necessarily keep track of what I'm eating. All I know is right now I eat like a horse because I ride a lot. So <laughs> I'm sure you left a big impression, made a big impression on your doctor. Oh yeah. After nine months, she's like, dude, I didn't think you would do this. <laughs> you're, you're no longer a type two. You, you can get off your meds now. So, nice. and it's been, it's been almost three years. I mean, two and a half years actually since, uh, no, I take that back. So this November will be two years since being taken off my meds altogether. It's been almost three years since being told I was a diabetic and the doctor I see now, she's 
every time I see her, she's always super stoked that I keep the weight off. The numbers nice. are still looking good because she says the number one thing that she has an issue with is people who are complacent, meaning that they get told their diagnosis and they're they're cool with just taking meds for the rest of their life and not be doing anything about it. Or people who do something about it, then they reach their goals and then they back off and then they get all back to where they were before. Right. So, and that's one thing I don't want to do because there's a, I, like I said before, I feel better and B I have to, I have to go back to my life insurance adjuster. Now that I've lost all the weight and I'm in better health. I can get better rates now. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is an awesome motivation. Yeah. I'm wondering about family as well. Okay. You, you must've got a lot of comments from family as they saw you take the weight off. My dad in particular, cause I, I know that you know, he's a, he's a tiny dude. He's, I think he's like, I don't know, five, nine, five, 10 at the most. And like a buck 75 or something, not to be disrespectful towards, towards my mom's side of the family. They don't do a very good job of taking care of themselves. Um, that I've lost a couple of uncles and some cousins that are, were fairly young because of their health issues. Uh, my dad's side of the family too, I lost a cousin a couple of years ago because he was just super heavy and didn't want to do anything about it. And he ended up having a stroke and mm. passing away. And I told myself, I don't want to do that. I don't want, yeah. I don't want to go through that. That's got to be miserable. And when it's not, my dad still is in California, so whenever I would see him, he's like, man, you're looking good. Or I see friends who haven't seen me in a while. Oh my God. Like the guys I train and the gals I trained jujitsu with, they're like, dude, what happened? <laughs> I started riding a bike. <laughs> and then they, they get all salty when I roll with them now, because before I would get all tired. Now I can go an hour and they're like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, I got a big old gas tank now, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> I think it's a great thing for people to see someone like you that has stuck with it, you know, and has seen the results for them to see, okay, if I decided to make the, this decision to change, it could yield results. Oh yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I get a lot of comments or a lot of direct messages or whatever, but I do get random messages from people I've never met before. Like, Hey dude, I've checked out your Instagram or I've checked out some of your videos and I'm coming in the same boat. My doctor says I got to lose weight. What? How did you do it? How should I do it? I'm like, well, it's easy. Just what's your budget? Where do you want to do? And where do you want to go? Where do you live? And and being cordial and being polite to people goes a long way. I know some people who are just like, don't bother me. I don't want to talk to you. And I know a bunch of people who are just like, hey, I'm glad to hear from you or whatever. And right. I'm not just a representative of myself. I'm a representative of all the the brands that I that I purchase or like the jujitsu school I'm affiliated with, you know, my instructor has always told me like, Hey, if you wear any of my apparel, if you have my stickers on your car, you do something wrong, it's going to get back to me. So you got to make sure that you are an ambassador for my school. Well, if I'm out there repping, you know, Trek or Pearl Izumi or whatever, I don't want people thinking, Oh, this guy's a jerk. So they must, you know, everybody who rides a Trek bike has got to be a jerk. And that's not the case at all. You know, it's bad enough that bicyclists are seen as elitists, you know, and that's a stigma I'm, I would hope that would go away over time, but it is what it is. I am really super happy that even though I'm not intentionally trying to influence people or be an inspiration to others, it's great to see that people are like, hey, I really enjoyed your story and I am motivated to just try and lose some weight myself. That's awesome. That that feels really good. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, a lot of physical mm -hmm. health improvements, but talk about some of the mental health improvements that you experienced from getting into biking. Whomever said that Mother Nature has healing powers was absolutely correct. I don't know 
if it was a hippie or a hipster or I don't know, it doesn't really matter, but whoever came up with that, whoever coined that phrase was absolutely right. Being out in the middle of absolutely nowhere and just soaking it all up. It could be a rainy day. It could be a sunny day. It could be snow. It doesn't really matter. As long as you're out in nature, you, I, at least for me, it's just, uh, it's very calming. It, I can get lost in the moment, meaning that I'm just enjoying the environment that I'm in, especially if I'm riding like in the forest, the Snoqualmie forest. I love gravel riding out there. You could do like a 30 or 40 mile loop and it's awesome, man. Just, just, just seeing the landscapes and just, and just taking it all in and being away from everybody and least least vehicles <laughs> from vehicles. Number one, <laughs> it's really hard to explain because it's brought me a lot more mental clarity. It's it, I'm not angry. I'm not, I'm not bitter. I'm not aggro pissed off. What do you want to call it? I'm, I'm not the ogre that I used to be. And it's just made me a lot happier mm-hmm. and I mean, sure. I still have, everybody has their days, but I used to be salty 23, seven. The only time I wasn't salty is when I was having coffee. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about your having bike troubles like before, right before the STP. Can you share some thoughts about the STP and what that was like your, your first time? Sure. Up until that point, I had not written a hundred miles. The furthest I had ridden up until that point was probably 70, I'm guessing. And we knew my, my training partner and I, my riding partner, Kit and I, we knew that on day one, we were not going to stop in Centralia. We were going to go at least down to Kelso to get all the hard stuff out of the way. And to prepare for that, for me, when I was in high school and we, you, and also when I was in the Marine Corps, when you get to get prepared for like the long drawn out, you know, grueling physical sessions, you would actually mix in short sprints. So we would actually ride the green river trail and we would do like a 20 mile sprint, meaning that we were trying to get done in a 20 mile route in less than an hour. We would get done in about an hour. So we we're averaging between 20, 22 miles an hour just to get that part of it done, to get the cardio up. But then we would have days where, okay, we got to do some climbs. So we would actually ride around Kirkland or we were right around Issaquah or Mercer Island just, just to get the climbing aspect of it done. And so we would, we would interchange it. And on the weekends, we would actually go on group rides. We would get four or five of us and go for a ride, especially those of us who were riding together for the STP just to keep ourselves accountable and motivated. We probably started our training regimen probably late April, early May of last year, like what we're doing now, just to get ready for the STP. We just, and the reason why we decided to go to Kelso was two things. One, not having to share a shower and a toilet with like 4,000 other people in Centralia. <laughs> and also because we wanted to get all the worst of it behind us. And Napa Vine, people will stay, they'll stay in Centralia thinking, oh, I made the halfway point. It's all downhill from here. No, you got Napa Vine to go through still. So, <laughs> so we decided we're going to go through Napa Vine and stay in Kelso and then cruise the last 60 miles to, to Portland. So you're going to be doing the STP again, it sounds like. Yes, I'm an ambassador for the STP this year. Oh, okay, okay. I, somehow I missed that. Do you have something that you're particularly looking forward to? Do you have like a particular memory of the STP or part of the ride or something that like you really uh, you really like? There are a couple of sections that I really enjoyed riding last year. One of them was, I, I forget the actual name of the first bridge we come across. It goes over the Columbia River. People were calling it the Bridge of the Gods. I don't think it's the right bridge, but it could be. I, I'm not I'm sure. I'm not too quite sure, but it goes up and you bomb all the way down, and you have this really, you know, you got the clover leaf on ramp onto the highway that goes towards Portland. 
And once we get into Portland, it was the St. John's Bridge, which was pretty awesome as well. So. Okay. I appreciate so much you taking the time to do this, Mike. Appreciate you being an ambassador for STP as well. Absolutely. And thanks for uh, reaching out. I'm glad Adam told you about me. Um, you know, they, they do a really good job of making sure that I'm taken care of. And I don't have any complaints with them. Nick, Adam Donovan, and everybody else at the Trek store, it's Tuckwilla, South Center, have all been really great. And another shout out is to Ruckus Composites down in Portland because I sent them my crack checkpoint and they fixed it for 800 bucks and they color matched it the whole nine yards, which was still a lot cheaper than buying even just the frame set. The frame set would have been $1,400. So I saved a bunch of money by sending it to them. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your experience. Again, I'm really impressed with your perseverance. I really love what a example you are of sticking with it and seeing some real results. And you know, your doctor has every right to be excited about those results because they're significant as far as your health is concerned. So thanks for joining me. Absolutely. And just you know, everybody has their own path. I get that. Everybody has their own destiny. Um, for me, it was just a matter of wanting to get my health back, being an example for my children, for my sons. You know, they're they're all young adults now, and and now that my friends and family are seeing, like, dude, this guy is fifty three years old, and he's in better shape than when he was at thirty three. It's pretty awesome. And there's always going to be the naysayers out there. There's always going to be the people who trash talk, but I don't pay attention to those people. I'm only in it for myself. So that's all that matters. I love it. Well, I will talk to you later. All right. If you want to go for a ride, don't don't be afraid to hit I'll, me up. And I will. I'll hit you up sometime. And maybe. also those who, who are listening to this, if you find me on Facebook or Instagram or whatever the case may be, just send me a direct message. If you want to go for a ride, just let me know. The only days I don't ride are Mondays and Wednesdays because those are the days I'm at Jiu-Jitsu. So. Awesome. And I'll, I'll actually drop links to your stuff on, in the show notes so people can, can, That'd be great. can find that too. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yep. All right. Bye All now. Right. Okay. Bye. I think the response that Mike's first doctor had to his declaration that he was going to get off medication says a lot. She was so skeptical because people just don't make the kind of changes that Mike made. But so many people need to make changes. I am definitely a person who needs to make changes to improve my health. We heard Mike talk about just how much better he feels. His life is significantly better in many ways because he decided to push past a difficult start he had and be consistent with cycling. My hope is that you can find a way to push through the barriers you have in between you and healthier choices. Please reach out and share your challenges and your successes. That is what a podcast listener named Jim did this week, and he gave an excellent idea for a podcast episode. I am currently working on finding an expert to come on and address this question. You can find links to reach out on Instagram and on email in the show notes. Please take a few minutes to do that. That's it for this week. I wish you all the best as spring is here now and opening up more opportunities for cycling adventures. Keep in mind, as you plan your rides, that age is just a gear change. 